All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. We've come across many books, many different materials that talk to us about reaching our goals, pushing our limits, finding our limits, transforming our lives. But personally, not many of them stand out for me. And I recently came across a book called Unlimited, written by Jason Dunn. And I found that this book had different facets to it, um, which for me personally, I related to because it was very real life um, and it was about his life. And I don't want to talk about it too much. I really want to leave it for, I really want you to hear it from the horse's mouth, but there's there are things I don't want to talk. I want. I'm so excited to to touch on in this episode about transformation, um, self realization, what these words actually mean in real life. So, Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Michael, um, I'm delighted. Thank you for having me. It's great to uh, be here today. Yeah, no, it's it's a pleasure, Jason. And, and and to be honest with you, I again, I wanted to explain these words. I wanted to to get into it. Um, again, I'd. I'd you do it so well and you've lived these experiences, which I think really helps when you're writing about something like this or uh, mm. when you are doing uh, public speaking and, and you're talking to hundreds or thousands of people about it. Um, but before we get into that, can for, for those that don't know about your story and those that maybe haven't seen or um, heard of the book, can you maybe give a little bit of a background about yourself? Because this, for you, the journey hasn't always been smooth and- there's 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 a a few many things in the past that I think have led to led you to where you are today. Sure. Um, so, Michael, when you reach the ripe old age of sixty, um, you definitely recognise and accept that life isn't smooth um, at all, and uh, certainly it hasn't been smooth at all for me. But that that determines who you are and how you respond. To the challenges or the setbacks or the failures and i'll talk a little bit more about that shortly but that determines who you are and um you do need those things to appreciate the polar opposite of failure and you know a whole bunch of other circumstances so maybe i can just kind of start intuitively from the beginning without telling the whole story so a, a brief synopsis was that I reached uh, the ripe old age of 34 and um, I kept saying to people that I could have done certain things. Um, um, I could have been great if you like. Well, let, let, specifically, I used to tell people all the time that I could have been a professional soccer player when in truth, um, perhaps I could have been, but I wasn't. So the age of 15 um, in the UK, I had an offer for an apprenticeship with a first division um, club, um, pretty big risk. I was studying, obviously, at school, and it was I thought it was too much of a risk. There was a lot of travelling involved, and so I made a decision that I would pursue my education, and kind of that was that. And that was a huge thing for me because 
when you grow up in England and you're a boy, then most of your waking moments <laughs> are consumed by thinking about playing football or soccer, as we know it in Australia. And uh, I used to play three or four games every single week, played a pretty serious level. So it was a big choice for me. So I proceeded uh, to tell everyone for the next 20 years that I could have until I actually got to the point that I looked in the mirror or I listened to myself and I didn't like what I heard anymore. So I knew it was time to change. I'd known, I'd been aware for a long time that it was uh, it was time to change. Um, I didn't quite know how. I didn't know what it was that I needed to change to or what it was that I needed to achieve, but I was... I was searching and I was uncomfortable with my legacy. In fact, I sort of frame it up now that I was so uncomfortable. I didn't own my legacy. My life was kind of busy and family and career, and I didn't really have a purpose. And I knew that I was heading for a point somewhere in the future where my legacy would own me. I wouldn't own my legacy. I actually call this now, though I've called it for a couple of decades now, the armchair test, which is kind of the motivation, or if you like, of why you should change. And because of being in financial advice for, you know, as you know, uh, nearly four, four decades, I've seen a lot of people arrive in retirement and struggle because they haven't necessarily planned their life or they kind of got all the time in the world and they look back and they have massive regret. Now, some things you kind of can't, well, you can't change at that point in time, but they have massive regret about the things they let slip past, opportunities, things they didn't do that they could have done. And so I had this um, epiphany or awakening, and it was the armchair test, which was, what do you really want to look back at when you're sitting there at 65, Jason? How do you want to feel about your life or how do you want to feel about what you've done or what you haven't done? And how do you change it? So that was the catalyst, if you like, for me to undergo some pretty massive transformation. And I realized that a lot of it was about fear. And I've definitely since learned and I fully recognize that most people never fulfill their real potential because they're caught up in fear. We can come back and talk about it a little bit more shortly um, in its rightful place. But they're fearful. Um, and so I had two big fears. My two big fears were, and in some ways still are, but I've learned to work with them. And the key to success is learning to work with the things that you fear because fear doesn't always go away. You just become more comfortable with it. Um, I had a fear of drowning, so I couldn't swim. Um, I couldn't swim a lap of a pool. Um, I couldn't put my head underwater because of my fear of drowning and failure, which is, you know, publicly how people see you not succeeding, especially kind of when you put yourself out there. So they were the two big ones. And um, a friend of mine um, worked at a large corporate and a friend of mine um, invited me one day um, to participate in a triathlon, which I kind of heard about a triathlon, you know, I knew you probably need to bike, swim, and run. Um, it was a corporate one, a very large corporate one. And um, I just thought, hey, yeah, okay, that'll be all right because um, I smoke a packet of cigarettes a day and I had done for almost 20 years and drank lots of alcohol as well along the way, cur courtesy of my corporate career. And I thought, well, yeah, I'll give that a go. 
But what I didn't realize, because there was three of us in the team, I just thought I'd be doing the run, was that I'd actually be doing all three. And um, you know, I talk a lot in the book about um, how I suddenly realized that, had to face into that huge fear and how, you know, to start with, I kind of had 13 weeks to prepare and I'd go to the swimming pool and I'd sit inside my car for 15 minutes outside the pool trying to psych myself um, into going in and trying to swim a lap as opposed to turning the ignition on and getting the hell out of there. So, but but it was interesting, the kind of reflection immediately for me was, you know, Jason, this is a this is a, turn, a huge turning point in your life. And if you don't do this, if you don't give this your best shot, you know what? You're never going to do it with anything. This is the test for you. Um, you're never going to do it with anything. So I'm not going to go into that in great detail, but first I had to try and learn, teach myself how to swim 25 metres and then 50, create confidence, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I did uh, the race. I did the triathlon event and um, – I did nearly drown um, and I did panic, but um, hey, I made it through. And by the way, I hadn't ridden a bike since I was a kid running, you know, riding up and down the street in the UK. So I was so, there was so much adrenaline and and I this massive weight had been lifted and I just felt incredible. And it was, you know, it was the most amazing drug. And I knew I really wanted more. And kind of for a couple of weeks, I was lost, wondering what I did to actually, you know, recapture this incredible feeling. And I sat down on the couch one day. I still smoked, and I sat down on the couch in the days when it was acceptable to sit inside your house and smoke inside, and with a cup of coffee, watching the wide world of sports. And this kind of really curious event came on that I'd heard about, which was the Hawaii Ironman World Championships. Um, and if, for those of you that haven't heard of that, it is a 3.8-kilometre ocean swim. It's a 180-kilometre non-drafting bike leg, and then it's a marathon, so 42.2-kilometre run on the Big Island of Kona. It's probably one of the most legendary, iconic endurance events on the planet. Um, and to get to it, you actually have to qualify in your age group amongst the best in the world across there's you know many many events there's um, 80 or 90 or 50,000 people try and get into the Hawaii Ironman each year and only about 1600 get in so it's the best of the best and i finished watching it and i went right that's it that's what i'm going to do i'm going to qualify for the Hawaii Ironman world championship um, I've got no idea how I'm going to do it, but I really, really, really want that. And so <laughs> that's how it all really started to change and the process of transformation began. Yeah, I, I love that because you went from being scared and like what you said, you were caught up in fear. And mm. and for us, I think we do things and sometimes we don't realize that we do them because we're caught up in fear. Um, because like I'll talk to a client about some, anything it could be something as simple about talking about money. And I'll realize that they're scared about talking about money. And then I'll yeah. realize that they don't talk to their partner about money. And I'll, then we'll figure out together that this is half the issue. And once you figure out the the problem, you know what to work on. But I love that you went from, from that to actually wanting to do something like I am. Yeah. And by the way, I'm someone that doesn't like, I know how to swim. I'm a great swimmer. Mm. 
Mm. but I can't breathe and swim at the same time. So therefore I can't swim more than 10 meters or 15 <laughs> meters. So by then I'm normally puffed out because I've been holding my breath the whole time. I, I I know that feeling and I did that. I mean, I used to have to put a nose clip on my nose just so that I could um, just begin to manage it. And uh, yeah, the excitement was there. But you know what? The, the fear actually never completely went away. And even, okay. you know, I raced 14 Ironman races around the world and – I think it was even in the twelfth one, Michael, where I panicked. You know, you, you know, and this is not a you know nice, comfortable, waveless swimming pool with a side. You know, you're you're amongst fifteen hundred people in open water, all about to go at the same time, with arms and legs thrashing and getting hit in the head, pushed underwater, and yeah, even in my twelfth Ironman. Um, I panicked and swam sideways. I just wanted to get out. I just wanted out of this thing. But I, and I, you know, I had one of the daily practices that has been so essential for me in creating, for me, my limitless mindset, my belief that actually, you know what, I, I can, I'm going to give anything a go and, and I can achieve anything, not because it makes me better than anyone else, but because I believe in me. And it's only relevant to me. And so, you know, what that technique was how do you make a decision in four seconds so that you don't let either fear and or procrastination uh, convince you out of the decision that you've made that you've spent years doing? So four second rule is a big thing for me. And I'm kind of happy to also come back and talk about that daily practices. But there's a whole bunch of things in life that if you get up and deliberately practice them every day. They just become um, second nature and they just become habits. And and you actually get to the point that, you know, often you, you, you draw on them occasionally at the right time, but you actually, you know, you start to get very good at them and they change, completely change your mindset, absolutely completely change, whether it's how do you create perspective and not sweat the small stuff? How do you find gratitude and let me tell you gratitude is the easiest thing in the world to find um how do you cut words out of your mindset that holds you back that are highly negative and toxic and you know what they you know they create how other people uh, you know see you and think about you as well so how do you how do you take those words out you know how do you how do you set goals that are really meaningful goals that are aligned to your purpose. So how do you, you know, how do you create your purpose, which was something I didn't have. And I've, you know, since then I've always had a purpose or purposes and they can, they can be, you know, multifaceted. They could be family, personal career, whatever it is. You can have two or three of them going at the same time. But how do you set goals that they might be five or 10 years away? It might be enormous. And, you know, qualifying for the Hawaii Ironman for a guy that couldn't swim and couldn't ride a bike and smoke a packet of cigarettes, qualifying against the best athletes in the world was a pretty big goal. So, you know, I gave myself uh, five years, five, five to six years to do that because before that um, I had to, uh, I had to actually compete in a half Ironman to qualify for the Australian Ironman to try and, qualify in an Ironman for the Hawaii Ironman. So I, you know, I break that down. So, you know, another daily practice for me was 
you know, living your life with a 90-day high-performance template that actually keeps rolling and you work backwards from your goals. So, and, and let me tell you, this is the same in finance and savings, particularly for retirement. Yeah, you need to think about what it is, your purpose and what, what your goals, you know, really be sharp and crystallize your goals. And they might be 10 years away. What you actually need to do is bring that back with a process that enables you to be really clear about what you need to get up and do on that specific day and just worry about that. And if you get up and you have the discipline to do that one thing, you're going to nail the thing in five years or 10 years. So you need, you can take away that big ominous goal that you can't quite see how you're going to achieve it and create the confidence that, you know, if you save enough today and you invest it like this, you know, in 25 years time, you're going to have enough money to live exactly how you want to live the rest of your life from a time when you got all the time. So um, a 90-day high-performance plan, I've lived by that, and I work backwards from that five-year goal to go, right, Jason, what do you need to get up? When you get up tomorrow, what are you going to do? Um, and all, all you then need to do is be relentless about doing what it is that you need to do on that day. And I was relentless, uh, Michael. I um, And in writing, finally writing my book at almost 60, I you know, kind of look back and go, you know what? Uh, I was hospitalized 35 times and a bunch of those were truly life-threatening. You know, I was close to death um, and or could have been easily killed. And, um, but I, there was, there was no, no setback that was great enough for me not to be get up and do what I need to do. You know, I had times where, you know, once I had a hit by, I've been hit by three trucks um, at different times and a car. One of them, which was the least serious, um, I tore three, you know, a couple of layers of skin off all of my back and all of my backside. And, um, you know, that was, I had holes in my arms. You could see the bones, you know, my, my elbows. And eight days later, I was out in Queensland and I was running shirtless with synthetic skin on my back because I had to do it. I knew I needed to do it. I kind of had eight days off, um, most of which I was kind of backwards and forwards to hospital, but I need to do it to get back on track to what I needed to achieve. Um, so I just felt there were, there were no excuses. I never, i, I got to tell you, I never, ever didn't complete a training session that I planned to do unless it was not humanly possible. And I would do things, you know, like I traveled a fair bit in my corporate career and financial advice as a, you know, GM and a CEO. Um, sometimes I'd sort of fly somewhere and I'd get to the airport and I'd just put my backpack on and I'd just run home because I needed a, a training session. Or I'd go to a corporate event and at 10 o'clock at night I'd disappear into the bathroom <laughs> and I'd stick my running gear on and I'd run home. There have been times when I've swam in a you know, little hotel um, you know, twelve meter pool. I've had to swim four kilometers. Whatever it is, you, you know, there are times when I've, you know, with my children, I'm, my youngest son, when I've taken him at, you know, six o'clock in the morning because he woke up at five thirty or five, and I take him for a twenty-one kilometer run in the stroller. <laughs> so you just do what it is that you need to do. He loved it, by the way. He, um, 
you know, there he was at two years of age and he'd be out first thing in the morning in Budrum. So it was pretty good, pretty nice temperature and he waving and high-fiving all the locals going for their morning walk. So there are no excuses. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. I wanted to ask you just about fear. You mentioned controlling fear. How do you control Mm. fear? Um, and, and just before this, just before we started recording, we were just you and I were just talking about it in the in the green room. But just the, the idea of controlling fear, we were talking about public speaking, and um, you know. But what's your take on that? How would you say if someone said, if someone asked you, how do I control my fear? What would you say? And and, and you mentioned a four second exercise. I don't know if this relates to it, but um, if you can sort of touch on that as well, if you haven't already, but. Okay. Because um, I don't know if what you mentioned was the four-second exercise, but like something like <laughs> I, that to me sounds great because it's something that anyone can yeah. sort of do anytime. Uh, absolutely. So so they're kind of I, – I, they're you know, interchangeable. Um, the four-second rule is interchangeable with fear and procrastination. So let me just go back to briefly to fear. Um, you, I don't believe you um, ever get rid of like really big fears. Um and you know what? Fear is a healthy thing. So if you're a presenter, fear is a good thing because it makes you realize what it is that you need to do. You know, you need to become more confident so that your brain, you know, operates properly. You don't say stuff in, or you say what you want, what it is that you want to say. You communicate a message. So um, you work with fear. And what you do is you just gradually become more confident. Um, and your confidence is your knowing that. You're not going to die. Um, you know, people aren't going to laugh at you when you're on stage because you've done this 150 times before and no one did that before and you're actually better than when <laughs> when you started. So the fear part is is creating, con- continually creating an experience that enables your brain to accept that, you know, what you think is the worst outcome is not going to happen. So you actually you don't get rid of it, but you face it. And I've tried to teach people a lot throughout my career about facing fear and that, you know, if you kind of go, if something scares you, you know, if you're sitting there in a room full of people and, you know, you're, you're in a kind of workshop with your peers and someone says, hey, come up and let's do a role play. Who wants to come up? Most people will look down at the table and <laughs> your fear accelerates. You go, don't, don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me. But you know what? If you actually look up and just stick your hand up, within four seconds ago, yeah, I'll do it. Guess what? Your fear goes away. Or at least you become more confident and you just get up out of your seat and you walk up the front. And what you're actually saying to yourself is, you know what? I'm not frightened of this. And people will respect you for that. And people will respect you for that courage. You know what? You perform completely differently. So that's kind of where the two actually intersect but what it means is you you choose to walk forward into a new place as opposed to returning to where you feel safe and you know what when you when you do that and you feel safe you're not and you will never get anywhere near close to realizing your full potential or as i say your limitless potential which is not about being better than other people it's about saying to yourself you know what 
um, I can do this. I can do more. I wonder what I can do. I wonder how far I can push my limits. Um, so if that makes sense. Um, so let me just then, if that makes sense, let me just go and cover the four-second rule. So um, human brain works in really interesting ways. So I'm going to talk more about what I understand. I'm not a technician. I'm not a – so I can talk about how you know I found that my brain works. And the I think I – you know, I reckon I work pretty hard and I don't okay in life. And um, But I had, I was nowhere near being the best that I could be. And that's what became really important to me. And that's because – you know, out of 35,000 decisions that supposedly we make each day, you know, there's a whole bunch of discretionary ones which we it, it's fairly easy to actually take the easier road um, in a, that type of discretionary decision, which is like, oh, I'll go home a bit earlier as opposed to working half an hour, an hour later, or, oh, yeah, I'll get to that tomorrow. And I have a firm belief that you've got to do everything today. Tomorrow never comes. Just never ever comes there is only ever today and that is absolutely one of my non-negotiable philosophies is you got to do it today because you'll just push it off and make excuses um, for tomorrow and so you know it is about um, how do you just keep doing you know what you say you're going to do and don't allow your brain the option of thinking about an easier or a tougher road michael and people do this a lot with exercise, which you know obviously requires effort. Um, let me give you the, my my best example of the four second rule. Um, you know, often, especially during winter, you know, you wake up, it's cold, dark. You know, the alarm goes off pretty early because if you're going to train twice a day, I've trained twice a day between two and six hours a day for the last twenty five years. Um, you know the when you wake in a day, your brain does a few things. So typically what it'll do is think about what it is you've got to do during the day. And if you do that, um, which most people do, it influences actually how you feel and your mindset. So I learned first thing is if you can change that mindset, practice it every day. When you wake up in the morning, think about what it is that you have to be grateful for in life. And let me tell you, there are, you know, I talk a lot about um, gratitude and how you can actually create gratitude um there are so many things that all of us have to be grateful for so i would practice doing that and actually regardless of what was my was in my day i actually felt really good i felt really positive and i felt grateful which created instantly a positive mindset so then the four second rule specifically was you know sometimes you know even if you didn't kind of didn't get to that thinking what would happen is you know your brain goes hmm oh, it's cold outside, um, it's really early, it's dark and it's warm in here, okay? That is the kind of perfect storm to talk yourself out of getting out of bed and doing it quickly and then going out into the cold, maybe for a swimming pool session or a bike session or whatever it is. So I didn't allow my brain the time to consider, you know, the less, you know, the, the more attractive or comfortable option. I would make a decision in four seconds because – what I knew was that once I got out of bed and I was in motion, that I would feel more positive and that, you know what, I knew that once I was five minutes into a pool session or a run, I would feel so grateful that I actually made that decision because the my brain was going, the endorphins were pumping, and I just felt great. And that is very typical of exercise 
And what you need to do is actually imagine how you're going to feel projecting yourself forward and imagining how you're going to feel if you actually you know, have the discipline to do something as opposed to not doing something. Um, so that's kind of the four-second rules. Don't just make a decision in four seconds. Don't allow your brain to talk you out of doing something that requires effort. Um, and also just that's, a, yeah, sorry, that's another daily practice or a technique is, you know, in races, um, uh, and I went from kind of a 10-hour Ironman race later in my kind of career, I converted to, you know, extreme ultra endurance running. And, you know, sometimes that meant running over mountains at altitude nonstop for more than 24 hours or a couple of days is during that time, your mind is going to convince you that this is bonkers and you're going to ask you, it's going to say to you, why is it that you're doing this? Why are we doing this? This really hurts. And as the hours tick on and it becomes more and more uncomfortable and extreme, that question get up, gets asked more and more frequently during a race to the point that it convinces you there is no way you can put one foot in front of another anymore and this is just madness and just go home and wouldn't it be more comfortable sitting in your hotel room or whatever. So. I evolved that technique of projecting myself forward to think about how I would feel in six hours' time if I was sitting with my family in a hotel room and I'd quit as opposed to if I found the courage just to keep going. And I imagine those two emotions because they're really, really strong emotions. You know, when you, and I have failed before, by the way, when you're sitting in a hotel room and you've trained, everyone's given up a lot for a whole year. Um, you know, and and that that means a thousand hours of extreme exercise just in that year to get to that event. Is you imagine how how you know how gutted you'll feel sitting there in that hotel room? And that's what I used to do. To one of the ways when I was desperate to give myself the motivation to just keep going, even if it meant that I wasn't going to qualify for Hawaii or achieve my absolute goal that day. Um, let me tell you, it is essential to finish. However you finish, just finish, whether you walk or you crawl or you don't run, whatever, you just got to finish. So that's another technique. Well, I love that you highlight that because you're right, that four-second rule, I think I do it subconsciously because I just make decisions, which sometimes comes back and bites me in the butt. But a lot of the time, it actually <laughs> leads me to making a good decision because um, you're right. You can think about anything too much and you'll talk yourself out of it. Like yeah. even from drinking a cup of water, you can go to drink a cup of water and suddenly think, oh, hold on a second. If you really want to think about <laughs> drinking a cup of water, I think, oh my God, imagine the toxins in this water. What about the cup? What about the stuff I've cleaned it with? Well, hold on a second. Is it really going to drink this water right now? I could be doing something else right now. Why am I drinking? You know, yeah. So anything really is something as simple as that. If you really think about it long and long enough, you and we love talking ourselves out of things, don't we? It's like, yeah, gym membership, we having do. a gym membership and not going yeah. or yeah. talking yourself out of um, seeing someone, whether it's a financial planner or anyone about your money or whether Absolutely. it's anything. And we're so good at it, aren't we? Like we're so creative we when it comes to so, <laughs> coming yeah, up with things. And a couple of, you know, a couple of really important realizations for me over the many decades is that, Overthinking is one of the greatest causes of A, procrastination, um, B, anxiety and stress, um, and, and, and building fear. And that translates across to um, financial advice. So, again, as I said, I've been in financial advice 
<laughs> for three and a half decades. Um, I've sat in on thousands of meetings, either as a coach, a leader, or originally as an advisor. And you know what, Michael, it's really interesting because you know, nine out of 10 people in Australia don't get financial advice every year, yet everyone can benefit significantly from getting financial advice. And you know, one of the, and it usually takes um, an interaction with another human being to convince someone to actually go and take some action and, and identify they actually do need some help, whereas everyone needs help. And one of the reasons, you know, I found that people often don't go is that, you know, that they're aware somewhere they're going to have to make a commitment and some sort of sacrifice. And whatever it is in life, if you do not make a commitment, and you do not have some sacrifice, you are never going to get to where it is or the best place. You're never, you're never going to achieve an optimum outcome. And so people kind of get really busy and they go through life, you know, and there's so many things to do, raising family and career and paying bills. And and then one day, and I've seen this hundred thousand times, you know, people get to the largest single financial event of their life, which is actually losing their income. And which they haven't practiced, they haven't, they haven't, you know, worked on it for thirty or forty years, and they are nowhere near where it is that they need to be because because exactly. they just they didn't understand, or maybe they kind of did, but you know what, they they didn't go because they knew they were going to listen to a professional that would advise them, you know, where their trajectory, and then advise them that you know what, you're actually going to. You need to save some more, and this is how you should do it. This is the most effective way to do it. So they kind of just get busy with living, and then it's like a cliff, you know. It's a income cliff that it's not like, you know, people are suddenly sacrificing going without 10% of their income. And when you talk to people, you know, when in their 30s about saving 10% of their income, they kind of go, wow, how do I do that? And then you you go, well, you know what, if you're not going to, if you, if you can't do that, how are you going to cope with you know sacrificing sixty percent when you stop working and you're on a thirty year holiday and you've got all the time in the world to do anything and everything you want, but you know you just haven't got enough money to do it. Yeah, exactly. And and, and the and the thing is like what's I like the, the, there's that there's the the thought of you know being scared to, to talk to people. There's talking ourselves mm-hmm. out of things. Absolutely. You mentioned the forty second uh, four second rule. You've mentioned the you know. The ninety-day high-performance plan, and but I want to ask you, like the, I guess the big question, um, and you've answered parts of this already, um, but what does unlimited mean? And and the reason I'm asking this question is because um, your book says it's the art of being limitless. Now, being uh, obviously not obviously, one would assume we all have limits. There's only certain things we can do. But are we limited? You know, and and I, I really want you to, if you could just sort of. Dig into that word, yeah. Um, and and I guess probably why you call the book that as well, and yeah, and just I guess someone listening to this, if they're listening and they're like, you know what, like this guy has a few good points. Um, <laughs> maybe I have been limiting myself too much, and he's they start he or she starts following some of the things you've mentioned. Like, what's the end goal? Like, what is being limitless? Yeah. Well, look, I, I don't have a view or any, you know, any anything in terms of research because I don't think there is such a thing as to, you know, how many people um, limit their potential or their capability because they don't believe they can do something. But my definition of being unlimited is creating your own confidence and belief that 
you are unlimited. And that doesn't mean say one day you just be able to flap your wings and fly, but it means um, it means unlimiting or un- unshackling or unlimiting your mind so that you have a belief that you can continue to be better. And that is not about being best. And I again, the, the point that I sort of realized, you know, about so many, why so many people sitting in audiences listening to incredible, you know, an Olympian that's spent, you know, that's been training since they were 10 years of age every day is, you know, you get a person that's 40 sitting in the audience that goes, oh, yeah, wow, that's incredible. But they walk away and go, you know, I'm 40 and I've got a, you know, got a family that I look after and I've got a busy career. Um, So they kind of just stop because they know they can't be the best. They know they can't be this person. But all that's relevant is what you do and you achieve and how you feel about you and ultimately, I guess, what other people feel about you. But it's just unshackling your mind because it doesn't happen instantly. For me, it didn't happen instantly, Michael. So I had to swim 300 meters, ride six kilometers, and run three kilometers to unshackle and start to open my mind that I could do it. And you know what? What else can I do? And that's when you begin your uh, pathway, your journey towards your own limitlessness and unlimiting your own mind. So that's what you are doing is you're unshackling it. You're kind of going, well, you know, whether it's my upbringing or society or my career or whatever, what people tell me, whatever, you know what, I'm going to put all of that aside because I believe that I can do more and I can believe that I continue to achieve more or be better. Now, that might be, you know, financially, it might be char- charitable, might be whatever, but society, we and society limit ourselves considerably. And it is about creating gradually the belief that you can do better. And that grows to the point that you actually think that, yeah, why, why, why wouldn't I have a go at that? That is enormous. But you know what? I've just learned that I, I didn't think I could do this. And actually, I did it. And you know what? My confidence and my belief has grown. So you know what? Actually, I could probably do that as well. And it is just how you gradually create belief and confidence and uh, and unshackle your mind. And, you know, Michael, I, I've, I've done things even since then, you know, as I progressively go along. And I can't always see the solution. I'll see what it is that I want to do. And I go, but my experience tells me if I, I've got all these daily practices that are now, you know, instinctive, and if I've got a 90-day plan, you know, I can work backwards and create the confidence that I can get to that massive thing. I just need to find a way. And let me tell you that, you know, my my purpose um, when I started writing Unlimited um, wasn't about making money. It, it still isn't about making money. In fact, you know, I, I kind of accepted that, um, you know, there's a lot of time invested and a lot of, you know, you put a lot of money into it and go, you know what, I could actually make a significant loss on this book. But my purpose in many ways has kind of always been to help other people grow because I found a way, my own way <clears throat> to grow myself and to experience and achieve incredible things. I, I just want to give a piece of that to someone else. I want to, you know, I've always tried 
to work with people and and you have to have the will by the way it's hard to you know it's challenging to work with someone and create the will i don't want to inspire people out of apathy if you like i want to find people who actually do want to change and do better and they just go you know what help me give me a little bit of a push show me how i can do that show me how i can create the belief that's who i kind of want to work with and i've always done that i've seen people do just remarkable things and it is this this is the most incredible transformation i've ever seen the most kind of one of the most wondrous human things is if you go talk to somebody for instance that just ran their first marathon if you'd asked them two years before you know can you you know do you think you can run a marathon you know what they would have said you were bonkers just the same as two years before in fact a year before i did my first completed my first iron man you imagine pack a cigarette a day smoker that quite liked to drink or two or three um you know busy corporate career couldn't ride a bike and couldn't swim if you'd said to me michael you said jason um you know, do you reckon you could do an iron man i would have said you were absolutely raving mad and that is the same exactly the same thing for almost every person i've seen that achieves something remarkable because they do go through this transformation of achieving something they thought was impossible now that might be in business um it might be you know playing the piano you know it might be doing your first 10 kilometer run it doesn't matter what it is because all that's relevant all, all that matters is what's relevant to you but it is that um awakening and that tran- the what this wondrous transformational inspiring you know outcome of people achieving something that they believed was impossible and that is why i wrote this book that's why i'm here talking to you is because becoming unlimited is just literally removing the limitations you have around what it is you think you can't do and you can't achieve and again in my book i talk about words that i removed decades ago from my vocabulary and they are words like can't um hard disappointment you know they're they're words that just drain or hate let me tell you hate is a word that is used indiscriminately by anyone and everyone everywhere and for the most you know insignificant things that happen in a day like the bus is you know two minutes late you know someone says to oh, i hate it this morning i hate it when the bus is two minutes late you really really is that how you feel about a bus that's two minutes late let me tell you there's places in the world where you know kids have to walk 20 kilometers to school to or to go and get water you know and you're moaning about hating the bus being too late you've just created this massive negative mindset for yourself for the day so it is about unshackling your mind and and creating belief and the thing that i love the most and let me tell you i think i talked to you before about this you know i had my own fear about i'm a private person that doesn't go on social media i hadn't been on facebook for 13 years until a little while ago i'm having to put my whole life out there in this book or pretty much most of it and go out on social media all of the time and that has been you know a significant moment of discomfort for me and getting outside of my comfort zone and but i just knew i needed to do it and, you know it, it we're five six weeks after launching it every single day i think i was sharing with you someone comes back to me 
whether it's a friend or someone I don't know I've never met before and sends me a wonderful message about you know, what they're enjoying or loving or getting out of you know the book and my story and every single one of those even on its own makes everything I've done worthwhile I love it Jason and I love the the angle that you've taken I love the inspiration and and I encourage anyone listening to this to, to get a copy of the book and to touch base to Jason. And Jason, if you can maybe, for those that want to learn about your your story, your journey, and to even get a copy on, of the book or to, to even get in contact with you, what would you say would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, so thank you. That's a, that's a great question. There's only, you know, if you really want to change, you've got to take some action. <laughs> so the action is... Um, uh, Unlimited is available on a couple of platforms, but the main one is Amazon and uh, Amazon Books. Um, you can uh, search on Amazon Books for Unlimited or Jason Lee, L-E-E, Dunn, D-U-N-N, or you can go Google Jason Lee Dunn Unlimited. That will bring it up. Um, you can find me on few social media platforms but my main one is linkedin so if you would like to connect with me there um and you can message me there i'm happy to give you an email um so if you want to email me you can email me on jldunlimited at gmail.com i'll put the website in the description of this as well yeah Okay, of the, fantastic. The episode, just to make it easier for people. Yep, yep. Happy to talk to anyone. Share. Happy to send you, you know, ninety day high performance um, plan template. Whatever it is, I, I, I just so want good to help people. I, so. I could see your passion, honestly, and uh, well, not see, but I, I could feel your passion. I should say, and I can, I can hear your passion. <laughs> and um, and and with my episodes, I like to finish off with a dad joke. Every episode needs a dad joke. And you, you talked about swimming earlier. Now, there's a swimming dad joke, which is probably one of the worst dads, one of the worst jokes I've ever heard. But it's one of those ones that never leaves my mind at all. Yep. You probably yep. know the answer to this. And anyone listening to this probably knows the answer. But what did the ocean say to the swimmer? No idea. Nothing. It just waved. <laughs> so it's, it's, that's that's it, a great one. It's, 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 it's an oldie. Like it's it's well, yeah. for me. It's an oldie. It's one of the first. It's probably one of the first I heard, or one of the first that stuck in my head. But that's I love it. I, but I just I'm started not, with dad I, jokes. I'm definitely a dad. Yeah, and, and I, but I can never remember. I love laughing at them. Oh, they're, they're great. And I mean, yeah. it's it's. It, and I think I started with these things because I just used to love telling jokes. But all my jokes just yeah. happened to be dad jokes, even before I became a dad. Because <laughs> my sense of humor is just. <laughs> different and, and special. It, and it is. I think it's great. I love it. And yeah, some people say, you know, some people probably think half the reason I started this podcast show is just to be able to tell my jokes. You know what? <laughs> it's part of the reason. There yeah. you go. I said I can it. relate so, to that. Absolutely relate to that. No, thank you so much for okay. your time, Jace. I really appreciate it so much. Michael, it's been I've such it. thank you. It's been such a good episode. And um I encourage anyone listening to this to get a copy of the book, check out Jason's work and Keep doing the amazing things that you're doing, Jace. Appreciate it. Thank you. I've had a great time. Thanks, Michael. Likewise. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for joining us on Sharing More Than The Sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases. And feel free to share this episode with any friends or family that you think it might benefit. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.